back today at the Profitable Podcast. And I hope you've been enjoying the blessings of the Lord and uh, looking forward to what the Lord's got for us today uh, from His Word as we look into Second Peter. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to finish up chapter 2 today uh, here in this passage. And so if you've got your Bible ready, I hope you'll open up to Second Peter chapter 2 and uh, open up the Word of God here. Uh, as we look at it, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 17. Uh, remember, Peter is pointing out the conduct uh, and the characteristics of these false teachers that he's been warning the people about. Uh, these false teachers, they deny the Lord that bought them, and so um, they're denying his person, his authority, and his work, and they allure people. They uh, they with feigned words, as he said, uh, make merchandise of people. And so uh, here he's warning them. He uh, He's made some very dogmatic statements, you know, uh, about how that these men, they're having eyes full of adultery and cannot cease from sin and even uh, went, went to the way of saying they're just like Balaam uh, in the Old Testament. And, you know, you wonder someday, uh, sometimes what our modern day would say about uh, Peter. Uh, so many dogmatic statements, you know. Uh, they they probably say, oh, I'm shocked that he made such a dogmatic statement. You know, Peter, uh, you're so judgmental. You're so intolerant, Peter. Uh, but, you know, I, I think is uh, Peter's writing this. He's not worried about offending man. Uh, he's more worried about being true to God. And uh, I think of what Paul told Timothy in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. He told Timothy, he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You see, when a preacher preaches, he preaches to save. And at least half of the time... Uh, uh, people are probably going to be offended uh, more than they uh, are encouraged. You know, you, you think about a doctor uh, that uh, was giving the diagnosis in his office. You know, uh, he, he's got to give some bad news. He knows it's going to hurt that person. He knows it's going to, uh, it's going to affect their feelings, you know. It's going to make them feel bad. But to tell them the truth so they can get the cure, uh, that's the most important thing. And uh, I think of what Paul told Timothy to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. And he says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Reprove and rebuke, those, those are strong words. Uh, exhort means to encourage, uh, encourage along the way, but to reprove and to rebuke. Uh, that's what Peter uh, is laying out here around these uh, false teachers. And so uh, as he begins here in verse 17, he says, he says, these are wells without water. Uh, what good is a well without a water? Uh, without water. He says clouds that are carried with a tempest. Uh, wells and clouds, they're symbols of, uh, of water sources that's needed. I think of what Jude said in Jude verse 11, uh, speaking of the 
uh, false teachers that he was writing about. Uh, he says, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about uh, of winds, trees whose fruit is uh, withered, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Uh, he says they're wells without water. Here's another picture that they uh, they do not have the Spirit of God inside of them. They do not have uh, that which man needs. Uh, you remember Jesus said in John seven thirty eight. he says this, he says, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Is he talking about something just gushing out from, you know, the next verse there in parentheses in verse 29 uh, interprets what Jesus just said. He says, but this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, Jesus made a prophetic statement that after he had died and went to the cross and, and after the church was birthed there on the day of Pentecost, that when a person believed on him, they received the Holy Spirit of God. They were indwelled with him. And that spirit would be like a river uh, of, of water that would refresh and, and meet the needs. But these here, they're like wells without water. All they can do is promise you things that, that are really not true. They can take the scripture and they can go through all these things. Uh, but he says they are uh, wells without water, uh, clouds that are carried about with a tempest. He says, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. It, it's ironic that they're telling people we have light. Uh, we have new light. You know, they've been speaking evil of the way of truth, as Peter said in verse 2. And they're telling people they have new light, but yet one day they're going to find themselves in the midst of darkness there in God's judgment. But notice what Peter says. He says, he speaks of their, their great swelling words of vanity. Remember, it's all about their, these false teachers. They're teaching these things. He says, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, notice, they allure through the lust of the flesh. You notice all of these, they, they, they've taken uh, liberty and saying no restrictions. You remember, that's how uh, the devil deceived Eve in the garden. Uh, he says, you can eat of this tree right here. He says, God's really just trying to keep something away from you, Eve. Eve, the day that you eat thereof, God just knows that you're going to be like him. Uh, you, you're going to be like him. He's withholding something from you. God's told you not to. Restriction. Devil says, but I'm telling you, no restrictions. You can do whatever you want. You need to do what you want. It's all about you. Well, these here, uh, they've done the same thing. They speak these great swelling words of vanity, 
emptiness. They use a vocabulary that is overblown and ends up as nothing. They use trigger words to impress people that manipulates them. Remember, they're speaking evil of the way of truth. They allure through the lust of the flesh. That word allure there uh, means that they set a trap. Those people, they use the depravity of man as a drawing tool. They use the flesh. Remember what he said back there in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words. They take and they understand that man wants to have what man wants to have. And they mold feigned words. They mold their message for the day and the culture in which they live uh, to, to allure man. To give man what he wants to hear. I think of what Jude said in Jude 4. Listen to what Jude said in verse 4. He says, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. Now listen to what he says. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop and think about that. They took grace and they've made it a license to sin. They've said, well, you know, we're under grace today. We're under grace. We're not under the law. We're not under uh, the restrictions. And, and many times when someone would say something about, yeah, but you know, the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie and steal and, and all of these things. Oh, but, but you don't understand. We're, we're, we're under grace. And if you bring up the principles of Scripture about how we're to live, oh, you're, you're just a legalist. And, and, but you see, here's the principle. We use the law as a way to show us we're sinners, that we need salvation. That's the reason the law was given, to show man his sinfulness, to turn him to Christ. But that doesn't mean that now that we're saved, we live any way we want to. Those things that were wrong before we got saved, they're still wrong after we get saved. Why? Because we don't feed the flesh. The Bible tells us to make no provision for the flesh. When we begin to serve ourselves and to serve our flesh, we become the servants of that sin. We're never to take God's grace and make it a license to live in sin. I think of Titus chapter 2. Uh, verse 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You see, when a person gets saved, grace does not 
open the door and say, okay, now you have a license. You can sin all week long and go to the altar at church. And, and when the guy's singing, you just run down there and you confess all your sins. You go back to the pew. And, and if God brings something else, you just run right back down there to the altar and you come back. No, that's a license to sin. God sets up classroom in our heart when we get saved. Grace sets up classroom in our heart. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. We should live even right now. And these, though, these, they turn the grace of God. They, they turn it into ex an excuse or reason for un their ungodly and corrupt teaching. You see, un corrupt teaching leads to corrupt living. You can go back and read this later. We're not going to take time, but uh, take your Bible later and look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21. He gives a list of the, uh, of the works of the flesh there. And at the end of verse 21 he says this he says of of the which i tell you before as i have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god you see when we get a new relationship with jesus we have a new relationship with sin in our life but these false teachers, remember, they speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lust of the flesh. And he says, through much wantonness, much wantonness. That's that same word in Jew that's translated lasciviousness, unbridled, unrestricted lifestyle. He says, those that were clean escaped from those who live in error. In other words, those that know the word of God, those that are of the truth will escape from these. But these unstable souls, you remember in verse 14, beguiling unstable souls, those, they fall prey to these people. Notice their false promises in verse 19. He says, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. They promise liberty, but they themselves are the servants of corruption. A man is, uh, he is in self-inflicted chains. He cannot teach anyone about liberty. These men, they, they are servants of their own corruption. Watch what verse 19 says. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. You see, when we sow to our flesh, Paul tells us we reap corruption. When we allow our flesh to have its way, when we engage and we habitually live in sin, we become the servants of that sin. That passion, that desire that we do not deny, that we don't die to in our life. He says, listen, you become the servant of that. But these false teachers, 
These false teachers tell you it's okay. They tell you it's okay to live any way you want to. Remember what Paul said in Romans six twelve and 13. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To reign means to be the absolute monarch. He says that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. In other words, your hands and your feet, your mind, your body, they're not to be the tools in which sin is carried out. He says, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. As we yield our life to him, our members, our tongues, our our thought life, our minds, our hands, our feet, they don't run uh, quickly to sin. No, they run to righteousness. We serve him. You see, being separated unto Jesus is more than just ostracizing yourself over there in the corner somewhere. No, we're not we're not just separated from the world. We're separated unto God. There is purpose there. Uh, there, there is uh, that submitting ourselves to him and to his will. He goes on to say in Romans six sixteen, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. He says, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You see, uh, they promise liberty, but when they take away and twist God's word and they deny the Lord, they deny the one that them. The reason that we had to be saved was because we are sinners today. We're not evolving as man and getting better and better and better. Oh no, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We need to be saved. Therefore, uh, we, we need Christ in our life. We need his will in our life. They promise liberty, but they only produce chains. You remember what Peter told us in chapter 1? He says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. In verse 4 he says, Whereby are giving un- unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature and listen to what he says having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust you see god has given us in his word everything that we need to live righteously and soberly and grace gives that to us today but these false teachers they speak evil of the way of truth. I, I think of uh, their end here. Notice what it says here in verse 20 through 22. He says, For if after they have escaped 
the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled. Remember how he talked about they, uh, they forsook the way of righteousness? They came up to that place there and they seen that the, the way of righteousness was to die to yourself and pick up your cross and follow him and to submit to that. They came up to that way. And they had, they said, no, we're not going to take that way. We're going to go the way of uh, the wrong way. Uh, we're going to go the way of self-interest and, and, and vanity and, and selfishness and covetousness. They had a reformation, but they did not have a redemption. They didn't have a regeneration. They have a profession, but no possession of true salvation. Jesus says they are entangled again and overcome. He says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. I think of a parable that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. He says, He's given this parable, and it's about a spirit that comes out of a man, an evil spirit that comes out of a man, and then goes back in. And Jesus is going to uh, apply that to the generation he's talking to. But listen to what he says. He says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. But he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, notice the spirit finds, he findeth it empty and swept and garnished. Then he goeth and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the state of that man is worse than the first. What did that man have when that spirit went out? Uh, he had reformation. He didn't have regeneration. Remember, he had uh, he found it uh, empty, swept, garnished. You know, you can take and get a lot of bad things out of your life. You can quit drinking. You can quit smoking. You can quit committing all of these sins, and and uh, you can sweep it out, boy. You can make it look good, and you can change your clothes. You can garnish it as. Uh, uh, Jesus was talking about there, boy, you can look the part and everything, but you're still empty. Uh, that was the problem with this generation. Uh, they, they were swept and they were garnished and they were, but they were empty. Just like these false teachers, they have not the spirit of Christ inside of them. And when they have not the spirit of Christ inside of them, guess what? Reformation leads you to. It leads you to a much worser place than you were before. Notice what he says here in verse 20. He says, he says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. I think of so many today. Uh, they, uh, they find a talent. They find a, a niche. Uh, in Christianity, uh, they sell books and they sing songs. And, and then somewhere along the way, they recant of all of that. Uh, they leave from among us, as First John says, because they were not of us. And what happens to that? The, the, the latter end 
is worse than the beginning. Look what what verse 21 says. For if for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. You say Kevin they they knew the way of righteousness? Oh yeah, they they came to that place. They came to that place where they they seen that and they they were around all of that. You see, that's the danger of reformation. It it brings a a spiritual delusion uh, to man. It desensitizes a person uh, to the realness of God and what it is like to be possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. And at the end, it leaves that person helpless to an evil world he says for it had been better for them to not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from notice the holy commandment delivered unto them now they still have sin in their lives but no way to deal with it no discerning power in their lives whatsoever Salvation is about God gaining possession of your life. You notice it says in verse 22, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. In other words, uh, a a truth uh, that is given, he says, listen, this, this is a true proverb. He says, the God the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. She was washed, the pig was washed, that outward appearance, but because of the nature that's inside of that sow, she goes back to the mud, back to the dirtiness, back to the pen. The dog, the nature inside of him sends him back. You see, the change can only come by repentance, not reformation. By us understanding that we are lost and undone and that we have been going the wrong way and that we need to trust Christ and what he done on the cross. And as we put our faith in him, we repent, we turn from that way. At the same time, I often illustrate faith and repentance like this. You cannot separate faith and repentance. It's like having a quarter. You've got heads on one side, tails on the other. Uh, You take some type of a knife and you cut that quarter in half. How much is it worth? Well, it's worthless, separated. Uh, It's not a real quarter anymore. Uh, It's been separated. Uh, But true salvation has faith and repentance together. There is the value. Why? Because we're all going the wrong way. Nobody's running up behind God saying, I'm going to catch you in just a little bit and be right with you. Oh no, every lost person is going the wrong way. They have to turn from the way they're going. What turns them? Faith in Christ. Realizing that they cannot save themselves. 
that the work that was done there on the cross could only be done by Jesus Christ. That's why these false teachers here, they deny the Lord that bought them. You see, Christ was the only one that could pay sin's debt. There's nothing that you and I can do today, no good work that we can hold up to God and say, God, this right here is just as good as your son dying on the cross. You see, that's the level that we must attain to with our works today. There's nothing that we can do and hold it up beside him. That's why God has such disdain for man's righteousness, for what man tries to bring. Because it's not because we're comparing ourselves among humans. We're comparing ourselves to his sinless, spotless son that died on the cross. You see, these here, what has happened to them? Nature has took over. They've went back to their wallowing in the mire. They've returned back to that vomit. What is that? Well, that's what he talked about in verse 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. You see, these are those that have eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Who is their prey? Those unstable souls. Those ones that they can speak great swelling words of of vanity and they set the trap. They allure through that person's lust of no restrictions. As Jude says, they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, into a license to sin. We have that in our day to day. And I tell you what, when we look into the word of God, it gives us discernment. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says this. And we, we quoted this last time. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now listen to what it says. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now there is a qualification there. To be saved, to have the Spirit of God inside of us. But we judgeth all things. We have discernment. Yet he himself is judged of no man. You see, Peter is writing that epistle that we might be able to judge, that we might be able to discern between the true prophet and the false prophet. And that, my friend, is why the word of God is profitable for you and I today. God bless you. 